the more we hold on to the past, the more we accumulate objects of the past and the energy that's attached to it, the harder it becomes for us to surrender to the future. And as much as I'm talking about physical items here, I'm also talking about patterns of behavior, habits, certain ways of doing things that perhaps you've never questioned, but are not ultimately serving where you're heading. There are so many ways in which your pain and trauma of the past are still living with you very much today, actively impacting your day-to-day -day experience. Hey Curl friend, welcome to the Curl Power podcast with me, your host, Zoe Fox. This is the podcast that helps women to connect with who they really came here to be. We release outdated thinking patterns, develop positive habits in place of self-sabotaging ones, and find ways to help us manage with stress and anxiety so that we can just go about really connecting with our intuition and our creativity so that we have the confidence to step out in the world and grab all the opportunities that are really going to help us to reach our potential. If you are ready to start creating healthy habits that are going to help you to beat procrastination and start living with more purpose and clarity, then I would love it if you would visit the website and download the Manifest Your Perfect Day the Night Before template. This PDF is going to give you six simple questions to ask yourself at the end of the day so that you can go to bed feeling relaxed, content and super clear about what you're doing the following day. If you start stacking these sorts of habits, you are going to be making massive moves that you never even realised were possible just through being that little bit more mindful about how your day's been spent and how you're stepping into the day ahead. The link will be in the show notes, but you can visit thecurlsquad.com and you will see it in the navigation. That's the main menu of the website. In this episode, we are going to be talking about accepting help. We're going to be discussing the impact of trauma and the power of letting go. I don't know about you, but the last few weeks have felt quite intense energetically. There's been a lot going on with the last new moon towards the end of October. We had a partial solar eclipse. And then we had, with the full moon, a total lunar eclipse. That was around November the 8th. And for me, prior to the eclipse season, I felt pretty high. I felt like, yeah, I felt like I was just feeling connected, motivated, positive. Everything felt like it was in flow. When the eclipse period ended, I noticed I was starting to experience quite a dense energy. I was struggling to get onto that mental high that helps me to feel like the most connected to my intuition and just to my life path and everything. The post-eclipse energy for me has just felt super dense. I've had to put so much more effort into keeping my mind right, bringing my thoughts back to higher thoughts. I've been noticing that I've been automatically going to lower level thoughts, lower energy thoughts, which haven't necessarily been serving my greatest day-to-day -day potential. In many ways, it's been like being in a thick fog and there's been this quite deep desire to want to cleanse and just shed off a load of energy. So I'm wondering, have you noticed over the last few weeks a change in energy? Have you noticed that you've been feeling not exactly on top of the world? 
sometimes we can find ourselves going through these dense energy periods and not realizing or not acknowledging that actually it's so much more about what's going on universally rather than what's going on in our own worlds and this is why i'm always really interested in understanding the global energy forecast and what's happening on a planetary level because that stuff really does have an impact i know not everybody identifies with planetary energy but think about it this way have you noticed how when it's coming up to a full moon or when it's a full moon that you just you feel like you're in a bit of a funk you notice that there's something markedly different you can't put your finger on it and then you're like oh it's a full moon that's where the saying lunatic comes from I mean nowadays if somebody says lunatic you think of someone who is deranged or crazy for want of a better word but actually when you stem back to the origins of that word and you think about it lunar being moon lunatic is somebody who's impacted by the energy of the moon if you still need some convincing on the impact of planets on our experience then just think about it this way we are literally made up of energy everything we are all that is around us it's just different energy vibrating at a different frequency which makes it manifest in different ways so part of this life of being on planet earth is we are very three-dimensional in our thinking we tend to just think about what we can see and focus on that rather than all of this other stuff around us that is unseen like literally as you sit or stand or wherever you are now you're surrounded by energy that is not necessarily visible but it's there it's like the wind you can't see it but you can feel it and we live on this tiny speck of a planet compared to the magnitude of the universe that we actually live in and even subtle changes in the universe can have knock-on energetic effects so i think it's always good to be mindful of the stuff that goes on around us as well as within us so with this energy funk, I've just been kind of feeling like I need to do a lot of shedding. I felt as though there was a lot of processing that needed to be done, a lot of energy that needed to be moved on. I felt as though I was sitting in stagnant water, essentially, and I just needed to find the plug to take the plug out and let this stagnant water drain away. So sometimes when we're doing this work, this personal development work, and we're going deep healing all these different bits and pieces that we recognise from the past, letting things go. But there are so many layers to this healing. Some things are obvious, some things are subtle, some things you've really got to look for. Anyway, so just before I moved into this flat with my husband and my daughter, that was in 2020, in February, the move came about really quickly. So we had to pack up our home super quick and didn't really have the chance before we moved to do any decluttering of any sort. It was like, ah, we just need to pack. We've got a baby. We've got to get everything packed. We've just got to get this done so we can get this move happening. So everything came with us. Like, it was a joke. There was so much stuff. Even the removal men ran out of space on their fan. It was that much. It was just, yeah, a lifetime of my husband's collecting and my collecting <laughs> had just accumulated into this huge amount of stuff so I've mentioned before on the podcast my husband is a DJ and he has been collecting vinyl since 1980 whatever he's got tons of records we've just got a lot of stuff 
lots of clothes, lots of bits. Anyway, everything just went into boxes. And then we hadn't even had chance to properly unpack yet. We'd only been at home in our new flat for three weeks when I got struck down with a spinal cord injury. And in the three weeks before that, we were all totally run down with this stinking flu, which actually I think was COVID now looking back because this was just at the very beginning of the pandemic. So I came out of hospital with a spinal cord injury, not able to do anything. We were just in survival mode at this point. My husband doing his best to look after our daughter while I was trying to pick up the pieces of having this life-changing injury. Unpacking the house beyond our basic essentials was just not even a thing the absolute last of our priorities. So everything just went up in the loft and it was one of those like, yeah, we'll get round to it sort of thing. But just knowing that all of that stuff is up there, unsorted, that creates a lot of stagnant energy in your field when you know that it's there and it needs to be done. So my husband started bringing down a few bags with a view that I'll just sort of sit there and rummage through some bits and do some decluttering and get it all sorted at one point or another. But again, the joys of spinal cord injury... I'm often extremely fatigued and I'm the mother of a small energetic child. You know, I'm trying to do the best that I can to keep pushing myself, my own personal development, learning what I can to elevate myself so I can bring it back and share it. So that takes up a huge portion of what I'm doing, plus working on this business, trying to create, doing this podcast, working with women, doing the mom bit trying to just keep the house presentable enough as I possibly can. You know, life is a lot and I'm sure there's a lot of women out there that can relate and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of mothers that are listening that will totally get it. There's so much stuff that comes before us that needs to be dealt with, let alone sitting down to declutter stuff that is just, actually it's not that offensive if it's just sort of tucked away in a corner. It's not exactly a pressing need. But anyway, all this stuff was kind of weighing on me and I was speaking to one of my friends about it and bless her, she was like, right, I'm going to come round, we're going to get all this stuff sorted, we're going to get your bedroom feeling like a palace, get rid of all of these bags of clothes and whatnot. You know, there was all of my daughter's things that she'd outgrown, baby bits, cots, you know, bouncers, all of this sort of stuff that we've got no use for anymore. So it was just a matter of getting it all sorted and sending it out to the charities and the baby banks and stuff like that. So she's like, I'm going to come round and we're going to get it sorted. So I'm kind of a little bit awkward about accepting help. And it's something I'm trying to work on. And my sis, if you're the same, try and do your best to surrender to any offers of help that come along. Because in my experience, they're kind of few and far between. So when they do come... Just accept them with good grace and gratitude and just be honoured that there's somebody in your life that is prepared to come to help you (laughs) because this friend of mine, she's just the best. So I kind of reluctantly said, yeah, to be honest, I don't think she was going to give me much choice in the matter. She was going to come and do it and she was... She was going to help me whether I really liked it or not because she could see it was better for me then. (laughs) Because she she had the foresight to see how much better I was going to feel when all of this stuff was done. So she came round and I pulled up a pew so I could sit down and go through some bits. And she was just basically like my muscle, arms and legs, just flying around this room, picking up these bags, emptying it out, working through it. And I have to say, I wasn't entirely ready for the therapeutic, emotional experience that it turned out to be. 
I shed so many tears in going through this stuff. It was a lot. So we see these people that pop up in the media once in a while, all these programs of like hoarders where you get somebody to come in and help these hoarders who are living with like floor to ceiling of old newspapers and cartons and different things that they've been hoarding and saving. And they bring someone in to clear it all up and clear it out. And you see how reluctant the hoarder is to let go of any of this stuff. So, I mean, I wasn't quite at the scale of floor to ceiling newspapers, but I could certainly identify with just how difficult it was for me to let go of some of these things. In these bags that we were going through, I was finding clothes from back in the day when I used to go out raving and seeing all these different items of clothing started stimulating memories within me and I'd see these clothes and in fact like boxes of makeup which are just ancient now which I had to throw throw away for health and safety reasons and I'm not I don't really wear makeup anymore but seeing this makeup like there was one that my mum bought me for my 18th birthday yes I'm 40 next year this is how long I've been holding on to this stuff for because it's got sentimental meanings and attachments I can never use it again but it's taking up space in my house like What's the point in holding on to it? And my friend, she was helping me to be ruthless, but throwing certain things into the bin just brought up so much emotion. And in many respects, it was like I was holding on to these items as some way of demonstrating some control over what has been a life that has felt at times where I've really lacked control. So... So first of all, when I was a kid, my mom, she's pretty savage. Like she doesn't get sentimental about stuff. She will just get rid of stuff. She is a clutter, be gone kind of a woman. She moves like a machine, throwing stuff out like it is literally just the paper that it is. <laughs> I'm like, oh, but that was the bus ticket when I went to go and see this film back in 1802. Um, Mom's just like, do you need it? I'm like, well, no, but so it's gone sort of vibes. So my friend is very much channeling my mom's energy. But like with the makeup, it was just a little, you know, just these little pots of Bobbi Brown makeup. I remember the day, it was like my 18th birthday. I'd never really worn makeup before that. Mum took me to a department store to help me to get the right shades for my skin. And I started experimenting with makeup. So this meant, this was really quite sentimental to me. But it also reminded me of my boyfriend dying around that time it started bringing up all of these memories so throwing away these items was almost like throwing away a part of my relationship with my mom or my memory of my boyfriend that had died it was really cutting me deep and again with the makeup I'm looking at it and I'm remembering back to the days and how and and different clothes that I was finding in these bags as well which would just about fit my little finger nowadays and how brutal I was towards myself back in the day how punishing I was around how I looked and how so much of this getting dressed up and putting on this makeup was just painting over what was a really painful existence at that point of time the makeup covered up so much sadness the sparkly spangly clothes hid a deep self-hatred and also a deep sadness at what had happened, you know, the loss of my boyfriend. I started remembering myself as I was, going out raving, having a good time, seemingly on the outside, but actually just being so dead on the inside, so broken. 
So pulling these bits out, these different bits of jewellery that I used to wear at certain points of my life and just, oh, it was like reliving these certain moments and these certain experiences all over again. And I cried. I really cried. And then I started thinking about why I'd been holding on to so much of this stuff. And it was that element of demonstrating some control over my experience, like this item reminds me of this experience or this person and that person went I wasn't able to control how he left my life so suddenly so I'm going to hold on to every last thing that I can that reminds me of him so that I feel as though I'm still in control in some regard now another thing that makes me see how hoarding and holding on to random items is a trauma response was because I started remembering after my boyfriend died I moved out of the flat that we shared like on the day to go and spend some time with my mum and dad because as you can imagine going back to the flat that you watched your boyfriend die in was filled with very painful frantic memories it was just too difficult for me to go there so I think it was, what was it, about three or four weeks before I eventually got the courage to go back and start packing up our belongings. When I got to the flat and put the key in the door, it had become obvious that the housing association at the time had essentially emptied out the whole property, got rid of everything. In fact, one of the neighbours said some of the stuff's still in the skip outside. So I went down to the skip and I pulled out some belongings that belonged to my boyfriend and belonged to me and that was so painful so difficult there were things there like my record of achievement at school like remember if you grew up at the same sort of time as I did and you had that record of achievement it's like at school it's like the be all and end all of your entire future isn't it that little burgundy folder with the gold writing on record of achievement anyway just little things like that that was in the flat at the time and you know it got all hyped up at school I know it doesn't really mean much in real terms in adult life but it was this big thing and it was just gone it was like the school shirts and things that I had signed when I left school that was all inside the flat gone stuff taken from me without my say so beyond my control that started to create patterns of wanting to hold on to things and another thing that I experienced because for me I was seeing it as a real healing experience so I was doing it really mindfully I was really conscious of the energy that I was feeling because some of it was so visceral I was shaking doing some of this stuff it brought up such strong feelings I had to treat the whole activity with the reverence it deserved because it was a massive healing experience for me something else that it brought up for me was a scarcity mindset so in life after the loss of my boyfriend when I eventually learned to love again as I've mentioned in previous episodes I got into another relationship about maybe five years down the line it was very toxic he was very toxic and he left me with deep financial issues which I've only just cleared so it was a very financially and an emotionally abusive relationship which left me not knowing when money was going to be there from one minute to the next which created so much fear and again with this fear of lack of not having of there not being any money and the anxiety that that created the dealings with the debt collectors 
again, feeling out of my control. Another way that I was able to control that experience of fighting through poverty and emotional abuse was again to hold on to things. So it would be like not wanting to ever throw anything away in case you'd never be able to replace it again. How many hair products does one need? 10,000 apparently. Or getting nice products and then not really using them because, perfect example, having 10,000 scented candles that in my mind I'd be like, oh, this is a posh, nice thing to have. This is a bit of a luxury. I will use them on special occasions, which meant basically never using them because... (laughs) What special occasion is it that I'm waiting for to get these candles out? So then I start hoarding these candles. But it's a scarcity mindset. It's the idea that if I burn this candle and use it now, then I'm not going to be able to replace it because I had such a long period of time where I was traumatised around money and where there was no money that I knew that I wouldn't be able to replace it. So I got into this thing about holding on to things, tea lights, silly things, you know, that really I could just be using, perfume get a nice perfume but don't use it because you need to keep it for special occasions there needs to be another episode really on this um scarcity mindset and poverty mindset and the impact of having had a lack in the past and how that manifests itself so i guess the moral of this story is the more we hold on to the past the more we accumulate objects of the past and the energy that's attached to it the harder it becomes for us to surrender to the future and as much as I'm talking about physical items here I'm also talking about patterns of behavior habits certain ways of doing things that perhaps you've never questioned but are not ultimately serving where you're heading there are so many ways in which your pain and trauma of the past are still living with you very much today, actively impacting your day-to-day experience. And it's hard when you're in the thick of it to realise just how much this stuff is holding you back. So I got to a point where I'm sitting there, I'm holding things and I'm, I'm sort of saying it out loud because I'm waiting for my friend to interject and say, yeah, put it in the bin. I'm like, oh, but this is the eyeshadow that I had when I was... 18 and blah 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 and she's like yeah you don't need it anymore put it in the bin and I'm like oh having literal conversations with this thing like thank you for the memories I love you I release you I let you go and put it into the bin bag and let it go another thing that came up when I was doing this exercise was in letting go of the baby bits from my daughter which again is is really difficult so If you're new to the podcast, I had fertility issues. My husband and I struggled to conceive for about six years prior to having our daughter. So I had dreamed of being a mom for the longest. So when I got my injury on her birthday, on her first birthday, it was like a real sucker punch. And because I had a very difficult labour, very traumatic childbirth with sepsis and a haemorrhage and emergency section it was such a traumatic experience and then with my injury on top of that I had to come to make a very difficult decision that I won't be having any more children and that was difficult for me because I always visualized loads and when we did manage to conceive naturally and it was like oh my gosh this is possible it was just the greatest blessing I really visualized myself having more children but you know it's not just me and my own egoistic desire to create another life (laughs) in the hope that the next one looked a bit more like me than the other one because she's just her dad's clone but um yeah I had to be like well what am I doing for my daughter now 
How would bringing in another life impact her experience? I waited so long for her and I'm so grateful for her. I don't want to jeopardise my health, my fitness, my ability to be there for her as a mum by having any more children. But that comes with a lot. You have to grieve that. You have to grieve that. The idea that you won't be able to be a mum again, if that is something that you want in your heart, that's a difficult thing to come to terms with. So when I were going through her bits and pieces and her little baby cot and the little bouncer and knowing that there wasn't going to be another human that I could put in there, you know, that was hard. But the good thing about doing it as well is like, while I am energetically cleansing and releasing a lot of this pain, the pain of not being able to or or choosing, consciously choosing to not be a mother again, the pain of letting go of the past, the pain of releasing these items and moving on beyond them was made somewhat easier by knowing that actually I'm going to donate these items to the baby bank. There's going to be parents out there that are really going to hopefully benefit from these items that have been deeply loved in my heart from seeing my own little child, enjoying them, experiencing them. Now, hopefully that can go on and do the same for someone else. And with my clothes, we donated them. There's a mental health unit locally who are in need of some clothes. So we drove to the hospital and dropped off a load of stuff. So it's like, yeah, I released the energy from the stuff because nobody else needs to be taken in all of my negative attachment energy onto the clothes and the bits and pieces. So I wanted to be really mindful about releasing that before the stuff went on to its new home because energy does stick. So what was going to be a simple decluttering experience turned out to be a very deep and very therapeutic process of energetic healing and cleansing and letting go. And I have to say, as hard as it was in the moment, I definitely feel as though my energy field now is that bit lighter from allowing myself to remember those moments that were painful and difficult and to let it go, you know, to thank it for what it was and forgive it for what it became and to release it. Because in releasing that, in allowing that stuff to move through, I am now creating openings energetically for new stuff to come in Stuff that is more aligned with where I'm at now on my journey. Stuff that is reflective of the work that I've been putting in to bring myself from being very dense in my energy, living in a very traumatic experience, a very anxious, depressed experience, slowly shedding these all these layers of things that were creating these patterns that were holding me back from stepping into a space where I can really connect with my potential which is for me what these podcasts are about it's about saying you know what this journey isn't always pretty you know sometimes we're going to do some ugly crying it's not easy to look into these dark corners and these dark spaces and it's very easy for us to turn away from putting in the work but what I've really come to realize and through the evidence of doing it time and time again It's every time I'm willing to get my hands dirty and look into those dark, dusty corners that have been probably, you know, nailed shut through the trauma and through the pain is that sometimes, you know, getting a crowbar and wrenching off these panels that have been holding this energy hostage and seeing the energy for what it is, recognising that you've grown past that part of you now, you've grown beyond this experience 
you can look at this energy in a different way. See it for what it is, thank it, release it, and just inviting in a new energy that is more reflective of where you are now. It's not easy to let go of the past when it's all we've ever known. But through doing the work, I've proven to myself time and time again that we are rewarded for letting go. So I guess I'm wondering, what do you have hidden in your dusty corners that's been locked up and sealed away? Is there any deep cleaning you could do physically, metaphorically, to help you cleanse some of that stagnant energy of the past? We have got the new year fast approaching. Now, I mean... I don't fixate on New Year's resolutions because I like to see each new day as an opportunity to dig deep and see what we can do to release the past and really connect with the highest and greatest possibilities for the future. So have a little think about your life and notice where there might be areas that you need to go in and have a little bit of a dust and a cleanse. If it feels frightening, acknowledge that. You might want to do some journaling around just why it might feel frightening to do that in the first place before you even go there. It's not always going to be easy. I want you to know that the whole point of this podcast is to help you to feel supported if you're feeling the same way. If there is something that you need to cleanse, just bring it into your mind. Notice how it makes you feel. Notice where in your body you might feel that energy Like for me in doing some of this stuff, I could feel a lot of it in my chest, creating a tightness. If you notice that there's a tension when you start thinking about what needs to be cleansed, it could be in your shoulders. Just notice any subtle changes in your body, any tightening of any muscles. If you notice that, take a deep breath. Connect with your breath and then really visualise breathing into the space where the tension is. Whilst you're doing that, hold the intention to identify and transmute any energy that no longer serves you and release it back out into the ether where it can transform. While you're visualising the emptying, the draining away of that energy, keep breathing. Use your out-breath to really exhale any of the energy that isn't serving you anymore. On your in-breath, allow yourself to visualise that in-breath, inviting in new possibilities that really serve your highest potential. That will really help you to feel cleansed and keep a journal handy as well because you might notice it brings up some stuff for you. Use your journal as a way to help to transmute that energy. So yeah, maybe just have a little think about what are you holding on to from the past. Once you've let go mentally and of these physical belongings, you can then do a physical cleaning of the space. Clean it, cleanse it, mop it, wipe it. Then if you burn sage or if you use incense, you can take your sage or your incense to the space and hold the intention that you're purifying the energy. Open the window, let the air blow through. Let's get rid of that stagnant water, that stagnant energy and anything that is holding us back from becoming the greatest that we can be. Let's create as much space as possible to invite in all the wonderful things that are out there waiting to come through once we finally get out of our own way. So did this episode resonate with you or maybe you've got someone in your mind's eye who is a bit of a holder honour of stuff? Share this episode with anybody that needs to hear it. 
If you are sharing it on your socials, please do tag us at zoe.e.fox. And yeah, come and follow us. I am building this community of amazing women who are just really setting out to see just how good life can get beyond the pain and the trauma as we really begin to connect in with who we really came here to be in all of our magnificence. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. You can do that on Apple and Spotify. And of course, subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can support me as an independent creator by using the buy me a coffee link in the show notes. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash curl squad. That's where you can leave a little tip, um, which is always greatly appreciated. So curl friend, big love, peace out, and I will catch you next week.